all became citizens in 1984. Can we talk about that? What what, sure. what was that like? It was one of the proudest moments in my life. Mm. Because, I mean, here I am, born, raised in this place. Mm -hmm. I'm here after several years, you mm -hmm. know, not immediate. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel truly that I belong here. Mm -hmm. And the, that, you know, I mean, I felt pretty welcome before that. Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't sure. feel like I was being rejected. Or, mm -hmm. But when I got that citizenship, but I have the paper, I still have the papers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. Have you ever wondered what it's like to uh, go to another country? Have you ever wondered what it's like to move to another country? I took a month in college, and I traveled a bit throughout Europe into places where they didn't speak English and places where they did speak English, and even just small differences in culture was kind of surprising. So I can't imagine moving. I mean, I can't imagine, but it's got to be such an uh, interesting experience to move from one country to another. So today's guest has had that experience in his life. He came to the United States from another country. So on today's episode, I am happy to welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable, Cal Militaro. Welcome to the Roundtable. Oh, thank you, Lance. Uh, looking forward to having this chat with you. Yes. Um, this is a great opportunity to maybe share some of my experience and give comfort to others that even have considered maybe moving or yeah. relocating even temporarily to another culture and a another country, uh, especially when the language is different. Yes. Uh, it's one thing to move to, let's say, from U.S. to Canada, where yes. you can speak English, or to England. Another thing is to go to a country where you didn't know the language, and, and you have to learn and develop and immerse yourself in that culture. So yes. Be able to live comfortably and, and, frankly, be part of it. Yes. So that was my experience. Uh, a long time ago, in 1975, my family emigrated to the United States from Romania. So a little bit about Romania at the time. Mm -hmm. um, probably you and your listeners know <coughs> excuse me, that uh, Romania was a communist country at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was run by a dictator, Ceausescu, mm -hmm. who actually was What was getting, that name? Ceausescu, Nicolae Ceausescu. And okay. uh, he was becoming more and more ruthless. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for a while things were okay. I mean, you know, it's tough life, but people lived relatively comfortable. Okay. Um, but then as I was growing up, I was born in 61. Mm -hmm. um, you can tell the signs were that life was going to get more and more challenging. Mm. Food availability was not there. Mm. Um, just infrastructure was falling apart. Mm -hmm. A lot of pressure on just working and the country was trying to pay off its debt. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the leader was lavishing himself and his family would glorious palaces and all these other things that obviously made a lot of people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So my family decided to, to leave the country, waited for a couple of years uh, to get that permission. Actually, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. At the time, the American government signed a contract uh, of uh, what's called most favored nation mm -hmm. with Romania. And as part of that arrangement, the families that applied for immigration, to, mm -hmm. uh, asylum to the U.S. were allowed to come out. And we were wow. in that group. So it was definitely God's blessing. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking in hindsight, all God orchestrated every step of my life. Even though at the time I was definitely not a Christian or not much close to any kind of religion, frankly. But anyway, uh, so long story on that, I... Uh, we spent about, I don't know, a couple months in Italy mm -hmm. transitioning. Sure. They did not want us to come here first. They mm -hmm. wanted us to kind of, they wanted to vet actually our background more. Who's they? Uh, the uh, U.S. government. The U.S. government, okay. So what, you know, they 
background checks, or we're not spies, you know, all yeah. this. I know, back then it was the Cold War, right? Yep. So uh, anyway, we cleared all that and ended, mm -hmm. uh, ended up coming to New York City. Oh, okay. And uh, quick experience, I mean, a quick story on the experience of coming here. So we're yeah. crossing the Atlantic from mm -hmm. Rome to New York. Uh, and what's, the, what's the length of that journey? Uh, it was days? about nine hours, normally. Oh, that's it? Nine hours? About nine hours. Oh, okay. and, uh, as, you know, it was big 747, I still remember, TWA, 400 emigrants. Wow. It was a charter. All on a seven. Packed in this plane. We're all excited, coming to the America. There were people from all over Europe. There were people from Russia, from uh, Bulgaria, Hung wow. Hungary. I mean, just emigrants that were excited to come to the United States. Yeah. Almost like the old Ellis Island experience, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so we're flying, and it's in January. Uh -huh. So we get to New York, and it, apparently there was a blizzard okay. on the ground. Okay. And so this plane is literally circling New York City for the next three hours. And we all thought we were going to die. Yeah. <laughs> because he kept trying to land, yeah. and he kept pulling up. He couldn't yeah. land. He couldn't see. Yeah. Finally got on the ground. God bless Whew. the landing. And, uh, and from then on, I was in a new country. Wow. Uh, now, I had some relatives, which we stayed with, that were already in the States that came earlier in the 60s. Mm -hmm. So we had a place to stay. Um, it was this in New York City? Yeah, in okay. a part called Queens. So we had relatives here that helped us. Uh, mm -hmm. It was my aunt and her husband and my cousin. Uh, because we came with nothing. Mm -hmm. Basically, the only way we could leave Romania was based with couple of suitcases a person. Well, so is it, was that because there's like a law there? You're not allowed yeah, to take Yeah, they stuff? basically... Uh, they own everything? Yeah, they asked us to renounce our citizenship. Wow. So basically we're people without a country at that point. Yeah, because you don't we're, get it. Yeah. Exactly. Whew. So we come to the States, we go through all the process of Do you speak English at this point? Very little, like okay. hello, goodbye. Wow. Um, my second language in Romania that I learned in school was French. Mm -hmm. So if I was moving to Paris, it would probably be pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> but... In New York now, it, I'm personally, I pick up languages pretty easily. Interesting. So, you know, of course, once you're here, you know, there's TV, mm -hmm. you watch TV, you learn English, you go to school. I mean, I had to test to get into school, into high school. Yeah. Uh, of how, course. How old are you? You were 14 when you came here? I turned here? 15 when I came You turned 15 mm -hmm. once you got here. Yeah. In 76, okay. I turned 15. I left in 75. And it turned um, 76. So I actually landed here in 76. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, the transition, I forgot transition, about transition right. period. So wow. anyway, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I turned uh, 15 years old, you know, I was, um, in high school, I actually tested well, they mm -hmm. made me take these tests. Sure. Uh, and of course English was not, I mean, they, I had to actually go take a step down to be able to learn English. So mm -hmm. I was kind of, I was put in a special type of like English as a foreign language. Got it. Okay. Uh, they even had that class. back then. Wow. Yeah, they did. They hmm. did because, you know, New York, if you think about it, it's a Duh. lot of immigrants. Yeah. So interesting enough, you walk in the street, even today, especially in neighborhoods in Queens, like, you know, Woodside or Astoria, you hear a lot of different languages. Mm. You hear Spanish, you hear Asian languages, mm -hmm. um, you hear you know, sometimes even French, there's a Haitian mm -hmm. community that sure. used to be and it's still there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of it is America, mm -hmm. but you still feel kind of in a kind of, almost like your own universe, you know, Yeah, which was kind of cool because it made us, my family, comfortable that, hey, we're not the only people that landed here. Yeah. And everybody else is, frankly, either, you know, I mean, pure, pure Americans, mm -hmm. born and raised Americans. Mm -hmm. No, it was like from everybody. So wow. the area we lived had that feel. 
Yeah. Uh, so we were able to connect with some other Romanians mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of having, you know, developing friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as easy with Americans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, it took a while for me to be, uh, to kind of assimilate myself. Even in high school, I, I did develop some friendships. Mm-hmm. But again, kids, there were a couple of kids that really kind of, you know, uh, connected with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them, you know, they kind of had their own cliques, you know, mm-hmm. high school. High school, yeah. And, uh, but by senior year um, in high school, actually, I had a really good group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Americans born and raised here. Mm-hmm. A few guys were Greek. A couple of guys mm-hmm. were from Dominican Republic. Uh, Re- Republic one, um, just a couple of the local kids. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, we actually, the, my, my senior high school uh, year was phenomenal. We had a beach party oh, wow. with our class. Uh, we Where? Did, uh, just in Long Island as Jones okay. Beach. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah, we, that was the place we used to go in the summer, Jones huh. Beach, and which is a beautiful beach, by the way. So I would recommend yeah. your listeners, if they're in that area or travel. Jones well, Beach. Jones Beach in New York. It's, it's in Long Island. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. Yeah. Beautiful area. Long Island, once you go east. Mm-hmm. Keep going east. It okay. is gorgeous. I mean, it's got uh, really nice scenery, r- small towns, um, you know, just nice people, friendly people. Just mm-hmm. it does, It's not New York City. Yeah. It feels more like the Midwest yeah, or sure. other places where it's more, you know, laid back. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, yeah. um, so the next, next part of this was, um, so I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, by then, I spoke English pretty well. Sure. You know, I... I was getting calm. So it took me about a year to really get grounded in the English language. Okay. Which was good. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, once I did that, I felt much more comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I start, like I said, I developed friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a person that adapts pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I really adapted to the American culture. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed, you know, obviously um, the life mm-hmm. in New York, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of money, uh, you know, there's so much to do in New York City. Museums, yeah. uh, parks. Yeah. Uh, you can fi- you can find uh, things to do that are fun and safe. You know, yeah. you know. So it was good. You know, and and then you know, I ended up going to college. Mm-hmm. So in '78. Uh, okay. Yeah, I went to City College, New okay. York, which is up in Harlem. Okay. It's a city university, and mm-hmm. uh, I enrolled in the engineering program. Oh wow! Okay. So, uh, needless to say. I wanted to be a physicist. My dad was oh, a physicist. Okay. My dad's passed away. He was a geophysicist. And I wow. always loved science and math and, and physics. And I've done always well in those areas. Yeah. So I was like, man, i got to be a physicist like my dad. And I remember <laughs> this counselor says, look, if you're going to become a physicist, unless you're a genius, you're going to starve. Yeah. Because you're going to be going to school for the rest of your life. Because yeah, you yeah. have to have pretty much a PhD yep. to have any kind of success and end up being teachers. You know, mm-hmm. a teacher or something. Yep, he high says, if teachers. you really want to, like, apply all that stuff but have a s- successful career. And as an immigrant, frankly, that's kind of the culture. You want to mm-hmm. be successful. You want to sure. be independent. You don't want to de- – we didn't want to depend on government mm-hmm. help or other things. We try to become as independent as mm-hmm. possible, mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my culture. I was raised to, hey, you got to work hard. Yeah. And you're going to have to take care of yourself. And you yeah. have to earn enough to maybe have a family and all these other things. Right? Yeah. So 
I go to City College, and it's fun. You know, it's a, it's an interesting place. It's an old. It was a convent, mm. and it's just north of Columbia University, about twenty blocks north. Oh, okay, gorgeous area, mm-hmm. and of course, everybody's like, man, it's in Harlem. So you know, Harlem had this reputation of being, you know, kind of a bad neighborhood in the late seventies. Why, especially in the seventies, you know, yeah. there was still a lot of racial friction. Mm-hmm. Even in places like New York, people think that it was more, in, I mean, it is obviously in, integrated, but, you know, there was still friction between different races. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting enough, and I tell this to everybody because they're like, oh, my gosh, you went to Harlem? You know, were you afraid? <laughs> I'm like, no, I wasn't afraid. Uh-huh. First of all, I knew other people. It wasn't like I, by myself. Yeah. Second of all, I was in five, I went to five, it took five years for me to graduate. Sure. Well, the five years I was there, I was never bothered. I've actually had a met a lot of African-Americans and some of them became my friends. Uh-huh. I never, because what I, you know, I didn't come in with an attitude. Yeah. I felt like, hey, I just want to be, you know, connect with you people. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we had formed this group of people after a couple of years. And again, there were a couple of uh, African-American mm-hmm. uh, students, uh, two really good friends that I had in college. One was Cuban mm-hmm. and one was uh, Dominican. Hmm. And so, you know, we had like a multicultural kind of you know, group awesome. of people, you know. That's so, so cool. This gal um, was Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was, actually, she was my girlfriend in college. Sure. Did but, she have the know, accent? I'm that, sorry? Did she have the accent? A little bit of an accent, yeah. She was from, she actually lived in Brooklyn with, you know, obviously with her family. And mm-hmm. we all commuted. Yeah. No, there's no campus, you know, to stay overnight. Right. But it was fun. We had a, a lot of fun. We had our favorite deli. Mm-hmm. We all go there when we had breaks. We would have this huge kind of like union here mm-hmm. at City, uh, at uh, Ohio State. Right. Um, and so we had this area where we could all congregate. We'd bring our lunch. We're all, you know, if you're in class, like you're sharing a class, you go there and you study. You mm-hmm. know, it was just, a, frankly, college life was fun yep. for me. You know, yep. I enjoyed it. Meanwhile, I, I did the... Um, you know, little odd jobs. I never really worked like a full, like a continuous job in college. I worked at the library. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I worked with this photographer. Okay. Where wedding photographers, I would set things up and everything. <laughs> it was fun. But I would, honestly, at the time, it was great because this guy was paying me in cash. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it was, no you know, I would do a wedding. Here's a hundred bucks. Here's some and cash. Go have some fun. For a co- poor college kid, immigrant kid, somebody hands you after about, you know, four or five hours of work. Hundred bucks. Yeah, you live in. I'm like, living the life right I'm now. I'm living the life. Drove around with a Dodge Dart. <laughs> so, Are you serious? I didn't know they existed back then. Oh yeah, it was a 1975 Dodge Dart. Wow, that was my car. You know, it was actually shared, but I drove sure. most of it. Yeah, I, and uh, but yeah, but man, I I have to say my college experience in the United States. Mm. I mean, by then, even though I was still proud, and I'm proud to the day that. You know, I'm an immigrant, that I have yeah. a more background in a different culture. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm proud of Romania, their achievements since then. Because mm-hmm. while I was here in 89, they went through a revolution. They did, And Ceausescu okay. was killed. Okay. Was captured and killed by people that wanted freedom. Mm-hmm. So the country went through some huge turmoil. Mm-hmm. We had relatives in Romania that got killed during that revolution. Wow. My dad's cousin was shot in the street. Wow. So, oh, yeah, because there was a, a, a group... Basically, like, think of it like the KGB or the, the Gestapo mm-hmm. in Germany yep. that was protecting the president. Yep. And these people were uh, basically ruthless, and they were, you know, to, to, they fought to the death to try to keep the country communist. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there was a lot of violence in the street. And so, yeah, we were very concerned back then 
Yeah. But anyway, left, I mean, finished school at City College. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, you have any questions for me? Meanwhile, I or? do. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'd like to go back to a couple things. Sure. If and then ready. we can continue. But yeah, that's kind of, I think it's a good stuff for us to kind of do some questions. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I want you to take me back to you being a kid in Romania. Did this dictator come to power like during your childhood or did it happen uh, before? It was actually, he came to power in 1963. 63, so what So I was, was two years old. So you don't even really remember, but what was the government state before that? It was, uh, so going back to World War II. Oh, so yeah. after World War II, uh, Romania was part of the arrangement between the Soviet Union and the ally, the Western allies was uh-huh. that Romania would be under their control. Oh. So the Soviets basically came in and implemented, with the help of local communists, mm-hmm. uh, communist socialist country. Yeah. And... Uh, there, were, uh, there was another president before that, and he ended up dying. And then when he died, Ceausescu took over. Got it. Okay. But he was part of the original group of communists that wanted to establish that that society in mm-hmm. Romania. So, so Romania was communist pretty much since the end of World War II. Yeah. Okay. Prior to that was a king. Well, it was under German occupation, and mm-hmm. then but it was it used to have a king. Okay, before that. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. So I'm just curious, what was it like? Can you just take me through childhood, growing up in that kind of a situation? Your parents obviously went through a lot of mm-hmm. changes. Oh, yeah. So what like, what was their perspective? What, what were you aware of? My dad shared a little, some things with me. I mean, mm-hmm. I can tell one thing. It was like, again, for... I remember glimpses where my dad would have to get up like at four o'clock in the morning to go sit in line to get us meat. Wow. Uh, things like that. And my dad was pretty successful individual. I mean, I mean, he had a you know professional job as a, as a physicist. Uh, he traveled a little bit, mm-hmm. mostly local. He did go to uh, Russia and mm-hmm. Bulgaria a few times while we were there. So, did, right. so did he work for a company? Did he work he in education? He worked for the government. Everybody for works for a government. Sure. So, but I mean, they have, <clears throat> excuse me, um, think of it like, the, the, he worked for the Department of Hydroelectric Energy. Okay. So their job was to create, to build hydroelectric power plants. So mm-hmm. my dad was uh, developing and worked on check, on designing the foundation of the dams that hold uh, the gaps in the water. Yeah. And he actually developed uh, apparently a technique to do that using radioisotopes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. long, you know, uh, Take it to, you know, recently, last seven years. Mm-hmm. That's the reason my dad eventually passed away. He ended up having mm-hmm. bladder cancer. Wow. And his oncologist told him that, he asked him, like, did you smoke? Did you drink? Yeah. You know, you, bladder cancer is formed by, uh, usually trigger, environmental triggers, like uh-huh. smoking, uh, drinking heavily, uh-huh. or uh, things like chemicals, exposure to chemicals. So he drilled them through all these questions, and then, my dad said, well, I was a physicist, and I worked with radioisotopes. Wow. And back then, doing that was not, especially in Romania, mm-hmm. was not as, you know, obviously slave, uh, safe yeah. as it is here. I yeah. mean, now and these days. Yeah. So he had all that exposure over those years. Eventually, wow. um, you know, the doctor said that eventually as your, his immune system broke down, mm-hmm. those those, I, those things worked enough to overtake his body. Wow. Now, he did survive for six years after he mm-hmm. was diagno- diagnosed, okay. but eventually it took him away. Wow. But anyway, getting back to So, yeah, my dad, uh, I remember him. He used to take me with him mm-hmm. once in a while to, 
to the, uh, to the job sites, oh, to which the job was spectacular. Sites, okay. It's all in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So you see these mountains and how they're building these dams, you know, just like Hoover Dam here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for a kid, especially a young boy. Yeah. I, I mean, this is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. and my mom actually worked for the same uh, organization. Okay. She's, she was a cartographer. Wow. So she would draw uh, the maps of the terrains mm-hmm. where they would. So that's actually how they met. Huh. My parents met in this, working in this office together uh-huh. um, uh, through a friend. Yeah. My dad was also a tinker. Uh-huh. He loved fixing TV sets, radios. Wow. I mean, he just loved Everything. anything. Yeah. yeah. So actually, that's how he met my mom. A friend of my mom um, said that, oh, her TV was broken mm-hmm. or a radio or something. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, this is this guy, Alex, Yeah. you know, who knows how to do that. And he's kind of nice man yeah. <laughs> have him come over to your house and invite, have your parents invite him so he can, they repair he repairs their TV set that's how they met that's great and they ended up dating and doing all that and obviously getting married sounds like a good Hallmark movie I think it would be you yeah. know I mean they were, don't get me wrong living in Romania was a lot of fun for mm. me too mm-hmm. I've had had great friends had a lot of uh, as a kid you have a lot of more freedom than an adult Right? Sure. I mean, you can play all day in the mm-hmm. summer, you know, three mm-hmm. months off. Mm-hmm. We would play from the morning till night. Yeah. Um, I was a big, we lived very close to railroad, mm-hmm. our major railroad yeah. station. And, yeah. And I developed a passion for trains, which yes. still continues. Yes. Model trains. <laughs> Model trains and real. I love real trains too, except I can't put them in my basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fair. You need a bigger basement. <laughs> yeah. Something. At least the backyard. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yes, I have a passion for trains. And, and, uh, but, yeah, growing up as a kid next to that train yard and, of Unreal. course, having, you know, once in a while getting crazy and riding, like, the little freight when they move the freight cars around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very dangerous. Yeah. Probably would have got – I could have gotten killed so many times. Sure. But, but that's anyway. childhood, isn't it? So, yeah. So, Romania – but then there were also experiences where I could tell there was a lot of stress, mm-hmm. you know, especially for our parent, my parents because I can tell – you know, like my dad told me, he never he wanted a promotion, mm-hmm. and they told him flat out, "Well, to do that, you want to become you need to become a member of the Communist Party." And my wow. dad said, "No, I don't want to do that. You don't have you don't have to be a member." You didn't, okay. but if you want if you needed if you wanted to have the better life, mm-hmm. that's what the path was. And my dad had told me later that. He had in mind that he wanted to get us out of there mm-hmm. because he had two kids, my, me and my sister. Yeah. And he says he realized that our life there was going to be um, hard and challenging. And he said, yeah. and once we had relatives here in the United States, he says, I want to get my family out of here mm-hmm. so my kids have a better future. Mm-hmm. You know, they could go to a country where at least they can follow their, their passions. And all. In Romania, yeah. they basically told you what you were going to be. Sure. You know, it wasn't like, they, they were already telling my dad, my mom, that your, your son is not going to college. And wow. I, was, I was like, what, fifth grade? Wow. I mean, that's like, you know, interstellar, right? At the beginning yes. where they're having that conversation. Yes. And the teachers tell that one, You're gonna tell be a them, uh, Matthew McConaughey, that, hey, your kid, he's going to be a farmer. Yeah. Well, what if the kid wants to do something Yeah, else? exactly. Well, maybe, you know, anyway. That's wild. That's how it was. So wow. that's actually a glimpse of what it's like to live in an environment. Like Did that. you know what you were supposed to be then? Uh, no, just not college. Just so I probably would have been, I don't know, uh, you know, some kind of, cr- not that there's anything wrong with those sure. professions. 
We're probably, you know, working in a factory. Sure. In some form, you know, yeah. like maybe a trade. But still, to your point, if you don't want to do that, you want to pursue something yeah, else, you didn't you have the option. frankly have the, the skills and the abilities to mm-hmm. do that, you should be able to do it. But they already were kind of picking. And again, for my, ta- my dad, they basically said, no, no promotions for you. You know, you're done. Unreal. And this, you know, he was in his 40s. I mean, he was yeah. still a young man. So what if he had, if he had, I don't know, if he did decide to become part of the Communist Party, did he have any idea what that would have looked like? Uh, well, first of all, it would have been, he would have some more inroads, maybe uh, like even when they were distributing things like food uh-huh. and groceries and all that, uh-huh. those people would have first kind of bid at it. Wow. Access to it. But his fear was, and it was because he heard this from some other people. Mm-hmm. If you were a member of the Communist Party, the U.S. probably will not take you. Got it. So he didn't want to even take that chance. Yeah. Because when they were, remember when I mentioned that we were in Rome and they were scrutinizing us? Yes. That's what they were looking at. You know, who were, not just them, but, you know, mm. do they have relatives that are, you know, wow. in whatever, the security, you know, I mean, they, they were afraid. Back then, the U.S. was very paranoid of what was coming out of sure. Eastern Europe because, you know, most of those people, I mean, lived in those regimes, and they, a lot of them would do whatever they can to survive, including, you know, frankly, joining things, you know, like the Communist Party or mm-hmm. like Eastern Ger- East Germany had the Stasi, which was horrible. I mean, literally, they knew, they knew when somebody, frankly, goes to the bathroom wow. in a country. I mean, that's how they would put plant. Uh, anyway, all kinds of spying equipment in people's mm-hmm. houses. Wow. Innocent people were terrorized yeah. by the government. So Romania was getting, starting to be like that. Got it. So there, basically, it sounds like there had been enough, enough time had passed with what was going on in these different communist countries. Mm-hmm. So you, your dad could almost see the writing on the wall. Yes, he did. You know, man was, uh, he, uh, my dad had a lot of good quality. You know, and, yeah. he, and he always cared about us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he yeah. kind of put us ahead of his own personal. I mean, they could have lived pretty comfortably there. It, yeah. I mean, who knows now, right? But sure. But I think their goal was, hey, we don't want our kids to to basically live a miserable life. Yeah. Eventually, you yeah. Know? And and he had that vision. Uh, I still believe, even though at the time none of us were Christians or you know, I mean. It was kind of like just general religion. Oh, that, mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, if you don't mind, I can talk a little yeah, bit about yeah. the experience of religion in a communist country. Yes, what's that like? Well, the church is basically working for the government. So okay. they're, they're, I would call it, it was a spying agency. Okay. So they would spy who goes to church. They would report it to the, copy, the, the regime. So, wow. yeah, so it's not like they're promoting the gospel or anywhere yeah. near that. Their job was to spy who's coming here, what are they saying, you is know, it is it like a Catholic? Is it? It a was Christian? a Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodoxy. Yeah, so okay. we, we were Greek Orthodox. Okay. Oh yeah, so it was. That's why my folks, frankly, didn't want to have anything to do with it because yeah. they knew it was a, a sham. Yeah. Right. It, it, now, wow. Now, after the communists left, now it's it's amazing. It has a lot of that. Obviously, the, there's no need to spy on anybody because it's a democratic government. Yes. And frankly. Um, Evangelical churches finally were able to start to get in. Okay. But um, back then was, no, I mean, there's a, um, oh my gosh, uh, what is that organization for martyrs? It's um, Voice of the Martyrs? Voice of the Martyrs. Mm-hmm. It was started by a Romanian immigrant. Really? Yes. The whole organization? Yes. It was started by this guy in Romania. He was actually Jewish. Hmm. 
And so he was being persecuted to be Jewish, and then he gets evangelized somehow, <laughs> sees the, finds the Lord. Yeah. So he wants to like he's starting to um, to share the gospel during the communist, and he's wow. basically hunted down. Wow. And somehow he makes it out of Romania, and then he starts this whole organization that's still there and supporting, Mar- you know, basically um, Christians in in tough areas that yeah. are being suppressed and, and persecuted. Persecuted. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it was started by a Romanian. Oh Which, wow! I, he's, he's, uh, I would highly recommend. Uh, I, I read the book a while back, and it's, I forgot his act, the actual title of his book. Okay, it's not a long book, but it talks about his experience. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, you talk about somebody having God. I mean, ha- uh, the hand of God on them. Yeah, because I mean, he went through stuff that we didn't. I mean, we got a you know. You I, got went out. To, I went to the airport. I got on a plane. I flew. Bada boom! There was wow. nobody like I was. I mean, there. Romanians and frankly from other Eastern countries, Eastern Europe during that time, that literally put their life in danger to get out. They would try to crawl over the border right. or hide on the trains. Right. Oh, sure. Or, you know, and even then, I mean, they would stop the trains at the border and literally check everything. I mean, it's just kind of stuff you see in movies. Yeah. Anyway. No, so, have you heard of, uh, I'm looking it up right now on my phone, podcast, The Cold War, What We Saw? Uh, I have not heard that. It's uh, it's a fantastic podcast, and it's all about. I mean, he he goes. I don't know how many episodes are in it. I'm I'm like I think I'm four or five episodes in, maybe maybe a few more. But he basically goes through and details um, what happened. I think after World War II. I think he even goes back to like mm-hmm. World War One, but setting up like what happened with the Cold War, and mm-hmm. then walks walks you through oh, wow. and so he talks about like eastern or east berlin west berlin oh, and wow. what was going on in east berlin and the, the they had like that period of time where like they had uh speaking of planes they had to, they were bringing in food and like right. landing yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. and the logistics to get that that's one mm-hmm. of the things that he talks about he talks about the stuff that happened between i think it was nikita khrushchev and I think it was JFK. It was JFK, yeah. Uh, and then even before that, he talks about things that was happening in Moscow, Moscow, uh, during the early days where Stalin was the head guy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I, it went back, but basically, it was just really scary stuff where people would literally get hunted, like arrested oh, in yes. the middle of the night for no reason, right? And basically put in a cell and then executed. So yes, so there's a movie which is not something obviously. You have to really kind of hold your, you know, your stomach because it, I mean, there's a lot of foul language and, uh-huh. but it's the death of Stalin. It's actually recently made movie. Uh, it's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, and it's it's kind of a semi comedy. Mm-hmm. So the story is, you know, how Stalin died and mm-hmm. what happens in the aftermath right mm-hmm. there. And it's comedic. I mean, it is funny in many ways, mm-hmm. but you know, of course, they're it's really foul. The language is. Definitely sure. rated R. Sure. But if you can kind of get past that, it mm-hmm. actually tells the story of what happened. Wow. That, you know, first of all, that he died and nobody wanted to move him because they, you know, anyways. Stalin An was agonizing a, death. Yeah, he and goes then through that, yeah. showed, you know, like basically they would just literally bring people in this basement in this, Moscow. Yep. And they would shoot him. Yep. And, and he would have a list. Yeah. And just pick names. Yep. Uh, my dad told me a story about that. So mm. when Stalin had a big influence on Romania while was still alive, even mm. though he was not there, Romania was still independent of them. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of Stalinists that were loyal to him. Mm-hmm. 
so a guy at his work, they had a party after work, mm-hmm. you know, just a bunch of people getting together, kind of like a happy hour. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, this guy talk, told a Stalin joke. Oh, my gosh. My dad said, that guy disappeared. What? Never showed back at work. Not only that, but nobody said anything about it. Like, he never existed. Yeah, you can't, you can't even bring it up. And, like, his family, everyone, they were gone. The whole family. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he said it terrified him. Yeah, my dad. Now my dad wasn't a person that would tell jokes like that because obviously he was. Yeah, you knew. I mean, better. maybe this guy had a couple of drinks or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, my dad Jeez. was terrified. He says, "Literally, this man, nobody ever mentioned his name. Uh, they just picked up the papers from his desk and what? they put it on somebody else's desk to do the work, whatever he was after." And that was it. Man, you think a layoff is bad? Yeah, think about it. I mean, we're worried about losing jobs yeah. and having to get unemployment. <laughs> Yeah. You make a joke and you end up, who knows, I'm sure he was dead someplace yeah, yeah. or sent to the gulag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, it was just an eye-opening thing for me. I don't even remember how I found out about that episode. It was probably, I listened to a lot of mm-hmm. podcasts. So I but that would be interesting it. to read that. So you I'll, got, I'll, I'll send it to you so you, so you can see it. But yeah, I mean, the, the amount of detail that he goes into that what, was, that what happened back then, because nobody, nobody mm-hmm. over here knew right. that until like years later that this kind of stuff right, was happening right. over there. So it was really eye-opening for me to understand more of that type of history. Very, very, very educational. So again, I kind of wanted to get from you, your perspective, when you guys were getting ready to, you know, leave, go to Italy, were you, what, what were you thinking about? Were you like, I don't want to leave. We have to leave. I'm scared. Do you even remember? Um, I, well, I was in eighth grade, so I do remember a mm-hmm. lot. First of all, I was kicked out of school. The okay. moment that was public that I'm leaving, mm-hmm. they basically they told me, out. yeah, you're done. Because they didn't want wow. me to talk about America, going to America to all the other kids oh, and influence. Wow. So I was basically in, you know, and this, we found out in the fall because mm-hmm. we left in the winter. Mm-hmm. So about two months, three months, I didn't go to school. Wow. I was just hanging out. Then, but I still had some friendships. So I would see my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I can tell, uh, and I'm maybe because of their parents and everything, they mm-hmm. basically started to kind of distance Distance. Themselves. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, no, I was excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, when you were that age, America, you know, yeah, we what, used... What did you know about America? Well, my cousin lived here, and he's uh, okay, older than sure. me. He's seven years old. So he came and visited a couple of times. Okay. So we knew... And we knew a lot about America watching television. Sure. So there used to be certain shows that we would watch. Okay. And uh, one was uh, Mannix. I don't know if you remember. He was a detective. No. This is, my gosh, going, you know, 1960s, <laughs> 70s. Yeah. So Mannix, right? That's okay. one of them. Um, Lost in Space. Uh, of course. I know, I know that one, Lost in Space. The old one. The old, I love Ancient. Lost in Space. Sure. Um, but then, uh, what was the other one? Um a couple of these soap opera type shows. I don't think it was Dallas. I think it was before Dallas. There was another one. Like an evening prime time. Evening prime time. So once a week okay. they would show an episode. So, you know, they would show movies. You yeah. know, we've seen movies. Once in a while they would bring a movie that was an American movie. Like, oh, okay. I remember seeing movie Airport. Yeah. Uh, which I'm like, you know, it was fascinating to yeah. me. Um, but, yeah, so we got glimpses of that. Uh-huh. But so me personally, my mom was worried. My mom was nervous. My mom is... Well, she's still alive, but she always has some anxiety issues mm. and everything. So, yeah, she was very tense about it. My dad, if he was worried, he never really showed you it. Couldn't even tell. Uh, my sister was too young. She was only seven years old. So she's like, whatever. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So here's another question I have. Is your dad being a physicist and doing the, the dam stuff and the hydroelectric, it kind of surprises me, I think, that Siri keeps thinking I'm talking to her. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that he was allowed to leave just even because of that. Is that fair? It was interesting. We were worried about He was worried about that. Mm. But uh, basically, you know, I think he had, they interviewed him on the way out. Okay. And I think they probably, I don't know, he never shared this with me, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, his mom was still there. His sister was still there. Oh. I would not be surprised that he was, they probably made it clear that if you start spilling out any secrets, wow, uh, you know, probably your family that's left here is not They'll pay the price. Now, Got my it. parents, I have not been back since I left. Really? Yeah, just long story, there's always something, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but my parents did go visit several times. Be- okay. e- even during communism, mm. before 89, and then they went in the 90s, okay. which was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, they... Um, the fear I had, they, which they wouldn't want me to go back and visit, was that they could still somehow yank me in their military. Okay. And until I became a U.S. citizen, I was vulnerable because I really didn't have a citizenship anywhere. I had a green card. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. I became a citizen, and they, we all became citizens in 1984. Can we talk about that? What what, sure. what was that like? It was one of the proudest moments in my life. Hmm. Because, I mean, here I am. Born, raised in this place. Mm-hmm. I'm here after several years, you know, mm-hmm. not immediate. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel truly that I belong here. Mm-hmm. And the, that, you know, I mean, I felt pretty welcome before that. Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't sure. feel like I was being rejected or, mm-hmm. but when I got that citizenship, but I have the paper, I still have the papers and I have passports. Mm-hmm. I've had several passports <laughs> since then. <laughs> I have a collection. That's I'm fantastic. very proud of having passports because Absolutely. I mean, it's like, look where I'm at, man. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, and uh, getting that, I remember going downtown Manhattan to this courthouse mm-hmm. and the judge and there are a bunch of us. Not just me and my parents and mm-hmm. my sister, and it was just we're all kind of waiting, and they interview you. They ask you a bunch of questions sure. in English, like knowledge questions. Well, yeah, like American, not like who was the first president. And mm. he's, you know, nothing like you know. What happens if you got it wrong? Said, I have uh, no idea. I think know. we had it wrong. <laughs> so, but you got it right. I least. know, but I mean, I'm assuming some people did not. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how lenient they are or not. Back then, it was. It was fun. They made us raise our hand, yeah. swear to protect the Constitution and all that. And really? I just felt like, wow, I'm somebody here. Yeah. I am an American. Yeah. You know, truly, an, I can tell people officially I'm an American. Yeah. And it, was, it made me proud. I mean, yeah. it's like, didn't make, the day before, the day after, it was the same. Yeah. It just. But the day of getting that, that experience. Feel, oh, yeah. We were like, you know, looking at these things. Put it, We put that paper in a safe. Yeah. Make sure it does, you know. Yeah. Let's go get passports to make sure we have passports. <laughs> you know? oh, the official documentation, <laughs> the official, yeah, that proves yeah. that you're an American oh, yeah. citizen. It, it, and, you know, and this is a wow. part that I sometimes, and I don't lecture people, and I don't judge people. But sure. I see a lot of people that obviously take for granted that they're born into that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's. And so many of people like myself from everywhere in the world have a desire to come here and have mm-hmm. a desire to become citizens they, and, you know, be adopted into this country. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, this is, country was built on immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, except for the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Everybody came at some point here mm-hmm. from someplace. Yeah, right. Whether you go back to the 1600s mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, recently, mm-hmm. we all came from 
mostly Europe and, and Latin America. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, from everywhere. There's Australians, right. uh, Asians. Melting pot. It is a melting pot. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that should be glossed over. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why it's, it's frustrating what I hear. And even within the Amer- uh, immigrant community, like this, a little bit like, well, you know, I'm you know, from whatever. Like, yeah, but you're here now. Yeah. You, you didn't come here. You, you had a reason to come here, and it wasn't because it was better home and you wanted to lower your status. Yeah. You came here because you wanted to better your status. Have opportunity. So you should have yeah. some humility about that and, and look at this country as a country that loved you enough to let you in. Because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. countries that don't let immigration. Like Switzerland. You can't emigrate to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. You can never become a Swiss citizen. I didn't know that. Coming from another country. You can live there, mm-hmm. and it's expensive. Yeah, I have an American <laughs> friend who lives there in, ba- in Basel. He works. We work. Yeah. I actually got to do when I was doing my Europe trip that I was telling you about. Uh, with I went there with a friend, and one of the places that we stopped was Zurich, mm-hmm. Switzerland. Yeah. It was very, it was very expensive. I didn't, I didn't know that you couldn't become a, a yeah, Swiss, Swiss citizen. They have some interesting, and there's other countries that have all kinds of rules like that. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. is still the easiest place to emigrate to. Really? In the world. Oh, my gosh, yes. Compared to other countries Boy, in you Europe. Wouldn't, you wouldn't know uh, that. Germany is very strict. Well, they. Um, what's happened in Europe, especially recently, in the last maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. with all the refugees that mm-hmm. they absorbed, they mm-hmm. are now obviously like, we don't want anybody <laughs> here. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to deal with these people. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely, you know, created an a impact and a very, very... Um, complicated impact mm-hmm. um you know i have friends in germany a company i work for is german mm-hmm. and we correspond and it was a guy that actually lived here for a while for a couple of years and then went back mm-hmm. and he says yeah in bonn where he lives he says there's some train tracks and on one side you know a beautiful german city you know mm-hmm. old world beethoven's birthplace all that stuff the other side they basically put barracks what for these people wow refugees refugees i yeah. mean they live in shantytown Oh, in man. Oh, man. And it's bad. I mean, and what's happened, crime rate went up. Right. And, you know, these people, a lot of them can't find work. Yeah. And so they're getting kind of freaked out about being there. Yeah. They probably want to go back to their country, mm. but they can't because if they do, they get killed. Right. So they're in no man, literally, truly no man's land. Wow. And that's through France. I mean, there's neighborhoods outside Paris. You don't dare go. I've heard. I've yeah. heard and, this. And then, of course, the city part, you know, the the central part where all the parks and hotels, fine. But you go outside and you can get your head blown off or cut off. Wow. Belgium's the same way. Netherlands the same way. Wow. And that's what you're seeing in these countries now, kind of a rise of um, nationalism. Mm. You know, a lot of people call it right-wing extreme. Mm-hmm. But frankly, a lot of these people right are like wing extremism. extremism. Okay. You know, kind of like what they're saying there's here too. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're, these people literally feel terrified. Yeah. By what's happened to their place. And so, of course, they start clinging to conspiracy theories. And, you know, human mind is very easily manipulated, yes. frankly. Have so, you heard of Douglas Murray? I heard the name. He's a British writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, look out, folks. He's a conservative British guy. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of interviews that he's conducted. I've listened to a lot of interviews where he's being interviewed. He has several books out. One that I got for Christmas uh, is what's called The Madness of Crowds. And I, got, I don't remember how I found him. It was on podcasts or whatever. But he, 
I think he was the one that I found and he was talking about what you're describing, which is essentially like an influx. I'm going to get, I feel like I'm going to get my podcast kicked off talking about this, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it anyway. The idea of the danger of welcoming too many people into your country over a short period of time. And if they, if they aren't able to assimilate what 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 he was saying had been happening in a few countries is like girls couldn't walk around mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. that they used to be able to because there's people you don't know where they're coming from you don't know what right. the background is right. so you don't know if the individual that's that that's here yes. or if there's a group yes. of individuals here that aren't good people that don't follow laws mm-hmm. so girls were getting i think it, it was either london or paris what oh, you were yeah. saying like was triggering this in my mind where girls were getting raped and basically being told that they can't do anything like the authorities couldn't do anything about it. So they just right. needed to be more cautious. Like that's scary. Yeah, it is. And, and it's true in Germany. They've been on attacks on trains or people because, you know, mm. they see something, you know, these people come from very, um, which is sad because I mean, they come from cultures that are very suppressed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, women are very pretty much, objects still mm-hmm. or you know uh, material possession of the husband or the man or whatever mm-hmm. so and of course they're where all the whatever they're very protective mm-hmm. of that and when they see that here uh, you know in the western world where you know people wear clothes you know maybe girls wear shorter skirts or mm-hmm. whatever they find that very challenging to mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. and they instead of learning to control in it themselves and mm. control their whatever desires and urges that that thing provokes them, mm. they blame it on the person. Wow. So I've talked to some people like that. And, mm. uh, and yeah, it's sad because it, 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 does, it gives immigration a bad name. Exactly. Frankly. And me being an immigrant, so part of me, yes, I'm very supportive of immigration, but yes. I'm also supportive of lawful immigration. Pro- yeah. Allow a process to take place so that you understand the people you want to allow into your, into whatever space and country you have. Mm. You want the people that could literally, you know, obviously give them a better chance of mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it has to benefit your society itself, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise you have a complete deterioration that doesn't help them and it doesn't help the people that are already there. Yeah, so, and that's, that's one reason that I that I got interested in some of the stuff that Douglas Murray says. I, I, I literally feel like I do a really good job of getting getting informed by both sides mm-hmm. of, the, of political stuff. Um, but the one reason that I found him is that he he does the very hard he does a very hard job of hitting very controversial topics mm-hmm. like immigration mm-hmm. and challenging, I guess, what I would call the status quo. And then he, he does cite, I don't think it's in, oops, I just did that come through. I just hit the mic. Um, where he talks about what has happened in these European mm-hmm. countries where this has all taken place. And I'd never heard anybody say anything like that. So I was super intrigued to hear that. And like yeah. what you're saying is just reminding well, me. Why do you think Bre- Brexit happened? Brexit? Brexit. Sorry, yeah. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Because people did not want the rest of Europe, England did not want for the England to uh, basically immigration policy to be dictated by the EU. They mm-hmm. wanted... Now, that doesn't mean they don't want people in their country. Right. But basically, there was a quota. You take so many. Mm. And oh, it was, the EU said the EU, each country... The EU was given each country, say, you take so many, and England's like, oh, time out, you know? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, and England's like, wait, we, we like, need to be able to... Could be able to absorb make our own these, policy. Well, 
I think this gentleman that you mentioned, and I am now curious to, to listen to him, mm-hmm. but he's probably, his view was, look, you know, we're an island. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> physically, where are we going to put all these people? Yeah. And we have an economy yeah. that to maintain. And we have, <laughs> if they come here, they have to eat. Yeah. They have to work, right? Yeah. What, how is that going to happen? So if it happens too fast, yeah, it can't be. Now, the U.S. has grown in population both, obviously, because of birth, mm-hmm. but also emigra- immigration-wise. But it, it wasn't all in one scoop. Mm-hmm. You know, 50 million people didn't show up or in one mo- year. Yeah. You know, there was over a period of time. Yeah. You know, it started, obviously, with the 13 states, and then more states were added, more Europeans were coming, mm-hmm. and you get influence from Asia. You know, mm-hmm. once the West Coast was mm-hmm. established, mm-hmm. then you started having Asians come in from, from Japan, China, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, some Latin Americans started to come through Mexico, but it was a slow process. It yeah. built up to where it is today. Yeah. You know, states were added as territories were identified. The sad part is that the, the brunt of that, uh, the negative part of that is yep. that definitely pushed out and, and based, frankly, you know, destroyed the Native American. Yeah, population. which is awful. Yeah. Which is awful, you know, and, and we should not skirt that. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, there was a process, right? Yeah. So there, and interesting, a lot of it was economically driven. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., it was basic, but the people that went were people that wanted to work hard. Mm. I mean, even though it was greed, mm-hmm. but if you look at the expansion to the West, mm-hmm. what drove that? They wanted land for cattle, yeah. right? They wanted gold. There's gold in California. Yeah. So all these people, millions of people literally yeah. started going, but slowly but surely. Yeah. You know, it, and again, I don't condone the, what happened, the bad things. I think a yeah. lot of bad things happened. Right. But it allowed the country eventually to grow and establish good laws, mm-hmm. establish, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stability mm-hmm. economically. Mm-hmm. And so more and more people benefited from it. Mm-hmm. You know, even the people that were poor started to get more stable life. Yeah. Uh, you know, Italians, when they came to the United States and the East Coast, they were very, I mean, people don't understand, they were discriminated against. Hmm. Italians and Irish were discriminated because they were Catholic. So when they came over to the states, the they states, got discriminated. Yeah, so they were basically the looked upon like because yeah, this country was basically Protestant founded, mm-hmm. and they were looking at those people like we don't want Catholics here. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like well, look what's going on. What happened for all these years in Ireland, right? Yeah. Long Island in the middle of yeah. the Atlantic. I mean, it's just that mentality. It took a while for those populations to frankly established themselves mm-hmm. and where and they had you know more you know just balance mm-hmm. if you want to get a glimpse of that a little i mean there's several movies out there but one of the movies that's interesting because it gives you a quick it's um the movie with elliot ness the uh with a um what was the name of it how elliot ness uh captures um al capone and it's the oh. cops. They're Italian cops. Is and that the they're one with Kevin Costner? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's an Italian cop and an Irish cop. And you can tell that even at that little microcosm, the friction between the, those two guys. I mean, mm-hmm. they name call each other. Yeah. And they're doing the same job. I right. mean, they both work on the same <laughs> side of things. Yeah. Sean Connery is, yeah. is, and the other, and it's like, you can just tell. That's it's, like a four-hour movie. It's an it? excellent movie. Yeah, it is I love a very good stuff. movie. Yeah. I mean, to me, because actually it's very authentic to what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that you know, Capone was busted for a lot of things. He was busted for tax. Tax. <laughs> tax. <laughs> tax. 
when he should have been busted by for the a way lot just a quick aside yeah. you know being the what i do because i work with lawyers and everything yeah. that's the easiest way to bring somebody down taxes? taxes i believe it is it because isn't that i've heard a quote from somebody that i know that when it comes to taxes you're guilty until proven yes. innocent have you ever gotten <laughs> audited no i've never had an audit i had a minor audit i had to uh present some documents Everybody that I know that's had an audit, though, it's been... Yeah. When you get that letter... Stressful. Your stomach goes like... <laughs> <laughs> like, what did I do? Oh, now, in my case, was just a, I needed to send a piece of paper. Yeah. But it, when, when it said IRS, and it's in the middle of the year... Yeah. Oh, like, man. They're not sending me money. No, they're <laughs> definitely not. It's not a happy note. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, exactly. It's like, we're from the government. We're here to help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a hilarious quote. Yeah, I mean, it's this stuff is so interesting, and like this is one of the reasons that I wanted to have this podcast, because I wanted to talk to people that have had experiences like you. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I did not grow up with many resources. I did not have the ability to travel unless, you know, I, I like... I, I got my month trip in Europe, but that was in college. I just did, I didn't I didn't grow up with money. I put myself through college, mm. so I I haven't been able to have many experiences outside of the state. And I really just enjoy hearing people's personal stories, and uh, that's why I was really interested to bring you on. So to be able to talk about all this different stuff, like you you find you you feel like you know. Let me speak for myself. I feel like I know little bits and pieces of a lot of different things but the more i learn uh the more i just want to learn more right. and delve further into things so like i i actually tried to like look in and do some research on romania before you got here i just had a crazy hectic week with a dishwasher going out and uh oh. um just very 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 busy mm. at work but so literally coming in and you you telling me about your experience coming from romania has been such a good experience because I didn't know any of this about, about Romania. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I treasure my experience. Interesting enough, I think I mentioned this to you. Mm. My oldest granddaughter had a project at school and mm. she wanted to talk to somebody. I mean, she had to kind of interview and find uh, about somebody that emigrated to the United States. And of course, it's, you know, her grandpa. Yeah. So we did something very similar. Now, it did. was more detail about, you know, me being, because being that she's a, a junior high school kid, she wanted to understand more about what a kid goes through. And all yeah. That. But we had a lot of fun together. And it was kind of, I mean, she really enjoyed it. And she, I mean, she asked me a lot of good questions. She was like amazed about, you know, because again, <laughs> they live a pretty good life. Yeah. You know, yeah. With both girls, you know, and, and the experience of, um, hmm. you know, being not necessarily immediately can step in and life is good and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, no, it's cool. I have a question for you, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah, by all means. So I know that you guys have Scottish heritage because obviously yes. I'm very good friends with your dad. Yes. And we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered going and exploring that I, in Scotland? I did. I was in Scotland. Oh, you did? Okay. Month. Yeah. So I didn't know if you That were. was... Um, I, I, I had been looking forward to going to Scotland. I don't, I think it's my great grandfather who came over from Scotland Mm -hmm. and then he married somebody here, Mm -hmm. not Scottish. Uh, so that's, that's the level of Scottish heritage. So I don't know if that I'd have to do the math. That's like one sixteenth, maybe something like that. Scottish in me, but I should do one of those swabs. And yes, you send it in and I'm actually back. considering doing that. You are. And Debbie and I, actually, she's Polish, yeah. full-blooded. I didn't know that. Yeah, she, I mean, second, well, her parents' parents came from Poland. Her God, parents came from 
Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so she's, po- well, she thinks she is because both parents are Polish. Yeah. Uh, but you never know when you do these things, especially in that area of Europe, you can find out you have German, you know. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I want to do it because my mother's Armenian. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. So even though I grew up in Romania, my father's Romanian. And I'm, I, I know actually a good bit of history of my mom's side of the family. Okay. Uh, going back to my great grandparents. Yeah. Uh, they were part of, uh, so the reason my mother ended up, my grandmother ended up in Romania mm-hmm. um, is because uh, they were, it was through the Armenian Holocaust in the First World War. Wow. So they were basically exiled. My, my grandmother and her sister, they were teenagers at mm-hmm. the time, and they were basically thrown out of the country. Jeez. And they ended up in Romania. Okay. You know, literally almost walked there, you know, kind of yeah. hiked, you know. Uh, so, yeah, this history. My great-grandparents were killed by the Turks in Jeez. front of their family. Oh, their my kids. gosh. Yeah, they were wealthy, apparently. They were peanut farmers. Yeah. Peanuts of, and uh, there were orders from the government to basically Exterminate. go in and uh, either kill and then throw the rest out. Wow. So that was my mom's so it's side a of status family. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so going back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so being part of kind of like a blend, you know, mm-hmm. half Romanian, half mm-hmm. Armenian. But then I found out my dad's grandmother is Greek, was Greek. Mm-hmm. So who knows what. I mean, <laughs> for all I know, I'm related to Genghis Khan. Yeah. <laughs> that would fair. be a surprise. Like, what? How did <laughs> like, that? Oh, wow. Erase. Yeah, <laughs> like erase, yeah. yeah. That's really funny. So yeah, going going back to the Scot Scotland trip, that was an amazing, amazing mm, experience. Okay. We went I'm trying to remember where we were before that. I think we had gone to visit London because the guy that I went with, he had family in London that we visited. Oh, and so that nice. almost became like a hub for two different two of the mm-hmm, different countries mm-hmm. that we went to. But we went to Scotland. We didn't have a plan to leave. So I think we stayed there seven days, seven of the twenty eight days that we were there. And I remember when I went there, I really just wanted to see a, a castle. I wanted to see a, what a castle looked like in real life. And when we got there, I think we arrived by train at like 7 a.m. Mm. or It was really early. Uh, so we couldn't get into a hostel yet because they weren't taking anybody in. But that was the goal was to get into a hostel. Mm-hmm. So we're just walking around the city with our backpacks. It was in right. September and we had been in southern areas. So this was the first like chilly weather so walking around with this denim jacket that i had borrowed from my buddy's cousin because uh, we were going to end up leaving from london um anyway so i just remember coming around this normal neighborhood corner around on this sidewalk and as soon as i turned past this house i looked up and there was edinburgh castle with the sun coming ah, up right over so cool. the back it was ep- i mean I, I literally got stuck in my tracks staring at this thing, and I think I stared. I, yeah, I was I've never been there, shock. but I would love to see Scotland. I mean, I yes. love history, and those places have such historical significance. Plus, they're beautiful, beautiful Very architecture. Beautiful. To, yes. To mind, right? Yeah, the cool thing about Edinburgh is that they have what's called the Old Town, mm-hmm. which is basically built around the ancient city of Edinburgh. And so there's all these tours that you can go on. We didn't, I, I didn't really do any tours. It was, mm. it was seven days of doing like a day excursion. I did a, an excursion to Loch Ness where basically you just get into just a minivan. Just see if the monster was there? Exactly. <laughs> I did. I did. I basically just found a place where you could get, you could, you could pay money. You get to go into a minivan and they drive you to these sites and mm-hmm. then you get to mm-hmm. do stuff. So I did one 
about uh, the Braveheart stuff, so they take mm. you to where the Battle of Sterling was in Falkirk. You get, I'm pretty sure that the person that's driving you is like a history buff or an actual historian mm-hmm. because they're telling you all of these stories. That's amazing. So yeah, that was that was an amazing, amazing, amazing cool. trip. Um, I haven't been able to get back there, but yeah, we want we. I plan on going back there someday and doing more of up in the Highlands because that's where my lineage, that's where the lineage mm-hmm. comes from, is the Highlands. Yeah. So yeah, it's very fascinating to to learn about that kind of stuff. But um, I think there was one more question that I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah, typically, I just kind of do this at the end of every podcast because we're we're at an hour. Um, so is there anything that you would just want to just leave with communicating to anybody who listens to this podcast? Cause your story is so fascinating. Basically f- your family fled their country of their origin. They crossed well, by plane, but still, cause when you were originally talking, I thought you, I first thought that you came over by ship, but then you said airplane. So you came over by airplane. You're, you're in New York, like so many fabled stories about people coming over in like New York and then striking out. We didn't even get into the rest of the stuff about how you ended up here in Ohio and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I'd, we'll have you back and go into more, oh, more of that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about model trains and we'll talk about painting as well. So can you just maybe, I kind of rambled there to give you some time to think about what w- your experience coming over immigrating to the States, you grew up here, you have a a lovely family. So what would you want to just say to anybody who's listening about your experience? Um, I, one thing that, you know, and I've learned to do this is keep an open mind about things. Hmm. Don't, um, you know, it's kind of a reverse of what Mark Twain said, you know, Hmm. that uh, travel is fatal to prejudice and, um, you know, mm. judgment of mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and kind of becoming uh, xenophobic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can stand for important things that you believe in, mm-hmm. but you can still be, especially as a Christian, mm-hmm. to be open to people. And be, don't make a judgment before you really understand who they are, why they do what they do, mm-hmm. and maybe get deeper with them. Because mm-hmm. I think that's, what, frankly, what I've learned over the years. You know, coming here, mm-hmm. you know, it took me a while to adjust. Mm-hmm. But I see, but now, I, that actually taught me to be that way. To be open-minded about different cultures. To understand mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. To be able to talk to people. Mm-hmm. So my advice, to, don't expand your territory. Ooh, yeah. Travel. Mm-hmm. Go into areas where you know there's a different cultural experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can start with the restaurants. Yeah. You know, go to an Indian restaurant. Yeah. I mean, now we all eat Chinese food because it's very good. I love Chinese food. Yes, same. <laughs> but even when I go to a Chinese restaurant, I get to I want to get to know the person owning, most likely a Chinese person, and I always ask them questions like, "Hey, how are you?" Some obviously a lot of them are immigrants, yeah. so I ask them like, "What part of China are you from?" Yeah. Right? Open up. You should. I've made a point that, to me, uh, a stranger is a person I haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't become. I mean, I want to have connections and and i think it, it enriches me personally mm-hmm. to get to know people of every every culture every style i mean and mm-hmm. i don't walk in with a preconceived idea of what that person yeah, you right. know culture is or uh, you know what their faith might be mm-hmm. i mean or you know i want to hear from them yeah and especially as a christian mm-hmm. who you know i want to share the gospel with people mm-hmm. you know it's part of what i want to do mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm called to do it right as a christian yes. as an evangelist 
Christian, you know, mm-hmm. I believe that that's part of what we're supposed, you know, what we should be doing. Yeah. You have to have that attitude because yeah. otherwise people are, you know, you're going to, if you go in with a preconceived idea of who that person is before they even said anything to you, mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far. With yeah. But if you come in with an open heart towards them, yeah. you know, guarded, but open heart. Right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean you, you know, agree with everything they do, mm-hmm. but listen to them. Yeah. I think that would make, frankly, the world, I mean, especially in this country right now, we're at each other's throats. It's what we need to be doing right now. Yeah. And I try to instill that. I do a lot of mentoring at work mm-hmm. with younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing some mentoring with my family members, nephews mm-hmm. that are young men. You know, they're adults, but they're, and I spend time with them talking about this kind of stuff. So because good. that, and I'm doing it with my granddaughters. You know, we want to, you know, they're a product mm-hmm. of immigration, you know. Yeah. Uh, because all the family members in their background are either from Italy, Poland, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the same, I mean, so that's, if there's one piece of advice, just keep an open mind and, and explore. Mm-hmm. If you narrow yourself to Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people here now from other cultures. Oh, yeah, a lot. But it'd be fun to, I mean, with COVID, it's kind of hard. But, yeah. You know, especially if you're younger and you have the, financial capability to mm, do so, mm-hmm. go do it. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to live, go in a luxurious hotel. You went into hostels. Mm-hmm. You know, I've traveled where, it's you the know. best place to do it. In, you know, in Europe, that's so popular, especially if you're young, mm-hmm. you know. Or go to South America. I mean, I've been to Brazil several times in my life, mm-hmm. you know, for business. Mm-hmm. And I've met the, the nicest, warmest people. And we couldn't put, they speak Portuguese, I speak English. And somehow we communicated. Yeah, yeah. That's I've been so to good. Mexico. I've been to a Latin American country, a Spanish country. Yeah. I mean, Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. No, yeah. I, Romanian helps me with the vocabulary. Sure. But yeah. still, it's, I love it. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, wow, I want to learn what you guys do here. Yeah. You know, I want to understand the food. I want to understand what you do at home when you go. Yeah, you know, your day to day. Yeah, it like? with your family. What do you mm-hmm. guys do for fun? Mm-hmm. Where do you go to church? Yeah. You know, I remember meeting a, a lawyer in, in Mexico City, that, hmm. you know, colleague. And the guy was an evangelic, uh, evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. I assume, and I made the mistake that I thought that since he's Mexican, he's Catholic. Sure. And he, we get in these cars, and uh-huh. he starts playing, like, cool gospel music. Okay. I'm like, where does this come from? Yeah. And I caught myself, like, why did you judge this guy? Yeah. And he started to share the gospel with me. I'm like, hey, hey I'm good. You know, yeah. we then we got into a cool conversation, right? Yeah. But it's like, you know, and I just remember that moment like, Cal, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy was a deep, deep uh, follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we had an awesome conversation. Yeah, that's so good. So just, that's my advice. I guess I, it was a long show. That was great. That was great. Um, yeah, I mean, I also, next time you come on, I want you, because you mentioned being a Christian, you mentioned, you know, the last guy I had on, he mentioned that too. So I'd like to get into that a little bit too, what that means sure. to you um, and how that happens. So, Cal, thanks so much for coming on the round Thank table. you. This was wonderful. I really enjoyed doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It was great having you. We'll look forward to the next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time.